Welcome to the Growth Ventures Podcast, the go-to platform for entrepreneurs, innovators, and changemakers. I'm your host, Hamlet Azari. In this podcast, we delve into the world of business, technology, and innovation. We bring you conversations with industry leaders, disruptors, and visionaries who are shaping the future and making a difference. So whether you're an aspiring entrepreneur, a seasoned business owner, or simply a curious listener, join us on the journey of learning and growth. Welcome to the Growth Ventures Podcast. And now, let's delve into today's episode. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Growth Ventures Podcast, where we explore the intersections of business, technology, and innovation. I'm Hamlet Azari, your guide for these fascinating realms. Today, we're privileged to host David Tanoyan, president of Dot 818 and a visionary in the digital advertising and performance marketing. David's journey from his studies at the University of Southern California to leading Dot 818 has been marked by innovation, commitment, and a forward-thinking approach to online marketing. In this episode, we'll uncover the secrets behind Dot 818's success, delve into this evolving world of performance marketing, and learn from David's unique perspective on leadership and company culture. So let's get started. David, thank you so much for joining us today. It's really a pleasure and honor to have you on. Thanks for having me. So for all the new listeners, what we'd like to do is we'd like to traverse through our founder's journey and really talk about his past, present, and kind of his future and how he thinks about it. So as we get started, let's kind of talk about the genesis and the growth of Dot 818. David, can you tell us a little bit about the early days of Dot 818 and what inspired you to lead this company and get start the company? On a fast-paced marketing scene that uh, we had in 2011 when we started, and uh, we, we still have it. We um, uh, were in a uh, in a period where everything is shifting uh, to uh, online, uh, as far as marketing, as far as uh, companies, the way they think about things, uh, which is it's still still true there are a lot of uh, processes that uh seem to be still in the process of going digital and there's an important um aspect that i realized uh, back then that uh a lot of smaller businesses is going to be up for them to keep up in this ever-changing uh world where more and more things are done online so either like the non-traditional businesses who might not have a digital presence is, is that right Correct. So, which is mostly smaller businesses where they don't have the um, uh, uh, the money, the time, or sometimes it, let it not sound bad, but uh, vision uh, to uh, transform uh, to uh, a digital environment, which is uh, also understandable for businesses that have been doing the same thing for a decade or two. It's really hard to change. Right. But in that, I, uh, I also saw an opportunity. So these uh, companies are going to need help. Somebody will need to bridge a gap between what they're doing today so they can continue doing uh, uh, what they're really good at, but at the same time, be a player in this online uh, environment. So at Dot Eight, our mission, which was the opportunity uh, the, that we seized at the time, is to empower struggling businesses to navigate the digital landscape. And um, uh, the- Are these businesses usually like family-owned businesses, small, like how small are we talking? It it can be mom and pop shops, but it can be larger businesses too that have been doing the same thing for 50 years. And for businesses 
large and small, uh, it's not easy to make changes, uh, especially a lot of founders. And uh, if we're talking about family businesses, which we have a number of uh, clients that are second, third generation uh, company owners, they're used to uh, the old way of things. And they still believe that uh, uh, the serving their local communities, doing uh, offline advertising is the way to go forward. Which, um, if I uh, take what uh, we were thinking 10 years ago, that a lot of uh, basically brick and mortars, a lot of offline advertising, uh, the traditional way of doing business is going to go away soon. Uh, it didn't happen, actually. Obviously, there there has been a lot of changes, but uh, these um, uh, company owners, uh, they were right in the sense where uh, in-person interaction, uh, serving local communities. It's not going to go away. It's going to stay there. However, they'll be at a big disadvantage if they can't also play in the online world. And that's where we come in. Our oh, I love what I also heard. So the local still matters, but online is also like an extra fuel that that it can enhance potentially local. That, that I grant. And were you not to be at the risk of going out of business or you can continue doing what, what you're really good at, but also not miss out on opportunities that uh, the online uh, online marketing industry uh, presents to you. Uh, as simple as um, being able to take a customer that's looking for a product from an online journey into your storefront, uh, whether it be a physical product or financial product. I, I love that. And so some, some of the ways you guys help is in that, right? So you're able to drive let's say online browsers to physical in-store locations. Is that a good summation of kind of what you guys are able to do? It is. It is to to have a more inclusive uh, and thriving uh, landscape within uh, local communities where uh, both customers can find local products and business owners can attract customers who are looking for product online instead of, um, uh, instead of the, uh, uh, no more yellow pages, but looking for something in a, in the yellow pages, you know. So connecting, uh, connecting the dots here uh, has been a great opportunity for us, and also something very very exciting because what you're doing is really impactful for a lot of smaller communities. Uh, amazing people who, who work hard and who run local businesses, and big and small. Uh, we we have clients who have. Um, or in 500 different geos and 500 different communities across different states, but they're uh, still uh, or have been, uh, uh, let's say, digitally challenged. And uh, I mean, we feel great helping them. And it's also a good opportunity to um, uh, develop as a business for us. That's phenomenal. I love what it's, it feels like it's not. The, the business as a whole has not obviously been incredibly successful and you've grown into where it's at, but in the same time, it sounds like it's made other businesses successful as well, which is phenomenal to hear. What do you attribute the, the success coming from? Like when you look back, I, I know it's, let alone, it's not easy to start a business, right? Let alone now you've, you've been able to not just help one grow, but also other businesses grow. If you had to give one one advice or if you for reflect back on it, what do you think has been one of the most important things that has led to this growth? 
uh, I think back to the same thing is when you see impact uh, of w what you're doing from the initial idea to uh, really seeing uh, the impact, which it didn't come right away. I can account back to t 2015 where uh, I was in uh, Kansas with one of our partners where I've seen in person what the uh, results of uh, the uh, uh, infrastructure that we put in place uh, for them where uh, were someone from uh, the local community uh, found them was very very thankful uh, for the service that they've done uh, for for them uh, how they help that customer and without our technology uh, that would not be possible so when you have uh, identified uh, an opportunity and you can see results big or small uh, then uh, you should take that excitement and uh, multiply it uh, you should think big where uh, there are other things to have been asked uh, in the past uh, how my education uh, came into play uh, as far as business which is not the easiest question to answer because and most most you learn at at, uh, at the university you're not going to use in uh, in practice. You, you went to USC, uh, right? You went to yeah. USC, University of Southern California. For those not the University of South Carolina, for those of you listening in, and you studied finance there. You started business yes. finance. Okay. Yes. And oh, I graduated yeah. at the uh, perfect timing, 2009. Where oh right right when things uh, for the financial industry is for those of you. Who don't remember it took a nice turn turn for the worse per se let's say right so and everything happens for a reason so if the economy was good i could be uh hopefully uh, uh had a, a successful career in finance which uh right now i, I would not want to uh have done that i love it what i i love what dot 818 has become and what what we do here 12 years on we, Still, there's there's still a lot to do. So, uh, back to your question again. Identify something that that uh, you can put hard work in, and no matter uh, how you turn, you always have to work hard. But when you see results, then uh, think of how you're going to multiply those results. And one of uh, that's maybe one of the things that came from my USC years is. Uh, uh, and I went to Glendale Community College, then to USC. And I love Glendale Community College, an amazing place. Uh, but at the same time, being at the USC, you can see the world from a, a higher elevation. And it sort of aspires, aspires you to think big, you know, because you can be satisfied with small results, which is also great. Uh, but uh, we're, uh, especially in the... Um, uh, in, in digital products where you, you you don't really have restrictions, you have to think big. And right. you have to put yourself under a certain certain type of pressure uh, of uh, achieving those big results, uh, which will drive you to um, uh, do, do the impossible sometimes. I love that. So it's the university environment, particularly at USC, gave you oh gave you not the confidence but it also gave you the ability to not limit your own potential so you were now able to shoot for the stars as they say and land on the moon and not really be scared of, of what you can potentially do and that 
eventually led down the path for you not to be afraid to take the risk to start dot a one eight. Am I am I summarizing it well? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Same thing. That's phenomenal. I love that. So, in building dot eight one eight, what were some of the key challenges and milestones that you faced, uh, and how did you guys overcome them? Well, I think one of the biggest challenges uh, challenges which technically we're, we're still facing because we're trying to grow in a new market is is how do you empower your team members uh, to take on more responsibility to to make decisions to positively impact uh, the company uh, and um, in some cases for uh, me or others that have been at dot eight on eight in the beginning to step aside and let um, our new newer team members uh, be able to uh, really grow and t- and take the company uh, to uh, keep pushing the company forward. So imp- empowering the team is uh, probably one of the most important things you can and you should do. At the same time, it's one of the most challenging uh, things to do, especially if uh, you're in this constant mode of growth and optimization and innovation where you have to have uh, you have to find time to really see how you can empower uh, those around you uh, that uh, uh, the experience and um, uh, and the know-how they're going to gain from that process is just going to continue to multiply and drive the company forward. So uh, while it's a logical thing to do, it's also one of the challenges that in different periods of growth. I've always faced on how do you empower me? Oh, I love that. I've heard that in so many of our podcasts that it continues to come up is like in the early days when the team is small, obviously you're not just the visionary, you're also the doer, you're also executing. And as the business continues to grow, how do you step aside and kind of give the space for your team members to take on the roles that they were hired for so you could focus on the next phase of growth, right? Am, am I, am I, ca- yeah. am I? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. That's I mean, everything from vacuuming your own floors to uh, doing other essential business functions, uh, which that's, uh, um, it's not a joke, by the way. I mean, everything uh, uh, that, that we do here uh, at the office is important. Uh, and uh, that's uh, also uh, feeding the company culture, uh, basically. Uh, how do we take care of uh, our office? How do we uh, treat each other? Uh, and as you continue to grow, how do you keep that culture? How do you keep the culture of your team where uh, you have only positive energy coming coming in the door every morning where your team arrives at work? Uh, is uh, It is also a challenge. We want to be a big company with a startup environment, startup uh, uh, mentality startup culture. And Love that. How big are you guys now? How big is the team? We're about 200. 200 people. That's amazing. Uh, all in Glendale or you guys are in Armenia as well, correct? Or- no, we're in Armenia. We're in Charlotte, North Carolina, and we have two more offices. So, so now transitioning more to some of the foundational years that we just talked about, let's kind of talk about the present. Um, David, let's kind of dig a little bit into what excites you in the most, you know, in the current state of performance marketing and digital advertising. 
I think the most exciting thing is the um, uh, competition, smarter competition, uh, newer companies uh, coming in. And if I compare the uh, uh, performance marketing uh, uh, landscape to what it was 10 years ago, well, there's one thing, it's easier to get it because of the availability of uh, different platforms, uh, your ability of building uh, uh, processes and procedures and products with a lot of no-code uh, platforms out, out there. So uh, continuous challenge uh, from competition, big and small, is, is excellent. And at the same time, it's, it's still hard to establish yourself uh, even though it's easier to get in with lower barriers of entry, uh, I would say, but the, uh, the ever evolving landscape keeps things, uh, fresh. Uh, we, well, I mean, we, we recognize the importance of, uh, being competitive if, I mean, otherwise, I mean, you can really, really lose the momentum in a short period of time. So competition, it. I mean, uh, and uh, hopefully it doesn't sound strange, but no, I, I love that. It's so it's like, competition. Like, the fact that there is competition is what excites you because you have to be at your A game, if, if I'm hearing it correctly, right? So, what are some things that you guys as an organization are doing in this crowded field, as you mentioned, like to really stand out? Like, what what are how, how do you guys embrace this competition and how do you allow it to fuel the growth for the organization? Well, first of all, recognizing the competition, seeing that competition and recognizing that we have to continuously adopt, grow, do things better. And uh, sometimes in IT years, uh, have been uh, in the business for 12 years, we're dinosaurs uh, in, in IT years. Uh, but recognizing that uh, you have to continuously adopt and um, uh, reinvest in your technology, deliver exception, uh, exceptional results, and uh, you, you live in this fast-paced environment that, that doesn't let you re relax is, uh, uh, is, the, is the key driver of uh, uh, staying young and fresh in this, in this environment where and sometimes uh, companies, very, very smart companies, very, very smart young individuals, what you see, I mean, come up with, with things that they say, why didn't I think of it myself? You know, and then you go back and you try to do it better. And then next day, uh, somebody out there does it a little bit better than you. And now you have to get, uh, get, get ahead. So continuously also investing in, in technology, which I mean, true for most companies. Uh, when you have uh, a development-heavy uh, product, you never stop developing. Uh, but uh, for us, it's uh, it, it's more true. We're always uh, three to six months behind of, uh, where we want to be, and I think that's what keeps things interesting. I've heard that from many, many software companies. It's it seems to always ring true, right? Like you wish you would be moving faster, you wish you would be developing more, you wish you would be developing quicker. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, I also am very impressed by, by the way, is if I know we've been talking about .81a, but you have a new company as well called Plat AI. Uh, can you tell a little bit about a little bit about people what Plat AI is and what makes it unique in in the marketplace as well too? Plat AI is a, a 
sort of a byproduct that became a sister company of Dot Eight on Eight's needs uh, to really implement AI and, um, uh, and machine learning models for some of our decisions, even by, I mean, way before the AI was a hot topic, which is basically this year. So we've had uh, a little bit over five years of experience on how to um, uh, build and uh, use AI models. And uh, the AI industry is it's in, is in its infancy right now, and everybody talks about AI. Most companies claim that they have AI in their processes, which is uh, compared to where it's going to be five years from now, they're very, very off because they simply don't have experience in how to um, make most of uh, um, automated decisions uh, in their uh, processes, automated smart decisions. So at Plat AI, we have about five uh, uh, years of experience, both in finance and insurance uh, markets, and we've uh, built um, thousands of models that are in use, that have been in use. So the uh, how Flat AI stands out, I would say, is by experience. By experience of doing the same thing successfully over and over again. And uh, not claiming big things, but claiming what they can do based on what they've already done, which is very important nowadays uh, in the AI space because uh, there are a lot of ambitious companies, which is a great thing, but they, they just haven't done what they're promising to deliver. What Plant AI is, uh, as far as a difference, what Plant AI is the, again, experience. I love that. So, so it grew from the inner workings of what you guys were doing at Dot Eight, similar to like the Amazon AWS story, and you, you spun it out. And now it's in separate entity, but you've been doing it for a while. It's like five years into it. And now you, you, you guys are not, it's not like you're new to the AI game. You've had this for five plus years and now you're providing it similar to how you did at that A1A providing small businesses an opportunity to grow. And now you're providing other businesses to take advantage of the models that you guys have built internally to be able to foster their FinTech area or insurance tech that I summarize that. Uh, except the part which uh, I, re I really want us to get there as soon as possible, which is going to be probably in two to two, two, three years at Flat AI, our folks is uh, not the small business uh, because of the uh, investment uh, requirements and the commitment that uh, is necessarily uh, to really build complicated models to really have a actual AI and not the claim of having AI in your uh, processes, uh, the uh, larger companies are in, in, in that journey of transforming a lot of their day-to-day um, -day processes and decision-making into uh, an AI-based infrastructure. But uh, as, uh, as for DOP 818's flat AI, uh, as well, uh, is in development of a couple of um, uh, products that would help um, small businesses, small companies, uh, data analysts and data scientists that serve small businesses be able to develop and uh, deploy and use models for a fraction of the cost that uh, 
uh, is uh, available uh, currently on the market from some big players uh, very, very effectively. So uh, uh, the the most exciting part for me is to see how that can come to life in the next couple of years where we can empower the small guys too uh, to implement AI in any process like a big company. And the, again, inexpensive, highly effective, and that's where I mean that's what the future is. We're trying to bring it closer and bring it closer to smaller businesses. I love that. So, dot uh, a dot a one way was obviously bootstrapped, and you've grown it into an amazing business. And how how have you been able to do that? Like, can you walk me through? Have you been able to prioritize and make sure that you the company is always focused on the biggest things that drive growth? Obviously, being bootstrapped, you, you're not like we talk about venture back startups here. You know, the capitals are a little bit more for very intense period of time to drive growth. Bootstraps, obviously, the capital is less, and you you, you got to be right. You, you got to be right on the prior the things you're making bets on, and you got to make sure you're prioritized on the right things. Can you can you elaborate a little bit on how you guys have done that and how do you go about making these decisions? Well, experience. So you have to balance uh, planning in what you're trying to build and uh, actually going out there and building it and making small mistakes every day and fixing those mistakes and doing things uh, better uh, the next day. So uh, realizing that uh, building a Business is is not about following a strict plan. Things change, especially in um, when you're trying to innovate. What what you think true today, you're gonna have a very different perspective about it tomorrow. So first of all, not be uh, afraid of it. And uh, as far as the don't want to say the cheesy thing. Okay, it's great to make many mistakes. You learn from it absolutely, but at the same time, I mean, don't even call them mistakes. It's trial and error. Think of yourself as, uh, I don't know, you're developing some kind of a life-saving drug. It's all uh, uh, trial and error. That's why it's called the, uh, whatever the drug development process is, uh, it's in trials, right? And it's right. going to be in trials for, for five years. So uh, instead of trying to uh, find um, guilty parties or feel bad about some of your processes, uh, uh, in, in place, you, you have to think of quick solutions. At the same time, uh, those quick solutions will also ha- help shape the processes you have in place uh, for you to do uh, things better the next day. Yeah. Uh, so, um, uh, again, adapting, uh, making smart choices, and um, uh, just just taking sometimes logical approach uh, that uh, issues are there, issues are uh, are good in a sense where you can learn from them and you have to learn from them and uh, quickly add it to your uh, uh, to your experience. And then at the end of the day, experience again is is the most important thing. I think I, I love that. So it's embracing sort of a growth mindset, being able not from what you said earlier, even the education, they, they think big, but more about put action, go and try things. And from the ones that are not successful, learn from those and then kind of 
rinse and repeat and how do you improve? How do you make it better and kind of go to that iteration cycle? Yeah, and definitely, again, plan between uh, or balance between planning and execute, executing. Try to execute as much as uh, as you can. At the same time, plan. Of course, it's a great thing, but don't spend most of your most of your time planning because that's the that's the slowest road uh, you can choose. I think. I love that. So uh, another, I guess, what's remarkable, and would you say that it applies in the same way, or is there something different? It, it's you've not only grown one incredible company, right? In dot eight one eight, now you are starting another one in essence with Platt, how are you able to do this? Like, like, how are you able to lead the vision strategy of two separate companies per se? Like, can you have any advice or guidance on that? Same thing. Empower people, carry over culture to new teams, and really uh, every day uh, focus and stay on uh, uh, making sure that that culture lives up, making sure that when you do a plus one to your team, it's really a plus one in terms of um, the um, uh, all aspects of that person's uh, experience, personality, just, just hire good people. So again, when you add a person to your team, it's a plus one, it's not a plus 0.95 because uh, that way, again, is, uh, uh, th- that's another sure road to eroding away the culture uh, that you have as as you continue uh, to grow. I love that. So let's transition a little bit more into sort of like the future, let's say. And can you share your thoughts? Uh, I I know everyone works really, really hard and everyone wants to get a lot of great things done, but it, it must be, it must be hard, right? So you plan and then you start executing it sounds like a lot of times, and this holds true for all businesses, not all of our plans and execution result into successes. But when they do, uh, when they actually they become successful, uh, tell me a little bit why and it's important to celebrate these successes. And how do you guys look at that and how do you guys approach that? Uh, well, it's very important because uh, you, have to, you have to give yourself credit. Uh, you have to give your team credit. Uh, you have to, I mean, I'll say more, you have to include your partners uh, in, in that excitement too. So building uh, relationships with uh, with partners, uh, really caring for uh, for our business partners has been uh, the, the um, uh, uh, I think has been one of the keys to uh, any success that we've had is uh, following this this mantra or, uh, and the, 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 I mean, uh, our company calling of being uh, honest, consistent, and fair, uh, and being honest, consistent, and fair with within the teams and with our partners, uh, also includes um, sharing exciting moments uh, with those partners. So, one of the um, uh, one of the great things about coming to work every day is that you might have a partner drop by where you can uh, spend time talking business, but also spend time talking about uh, uh, your uh, families, uh, other values. And when it comes uh, time to celebrate the success, I mean, you have to go all out. uh, For that, we even have have a dot eight on eight date where we 
where we party August 18th. I love that. 818. I love that. That's awesome. C- can you tell me one particular, I know you just mentioned dot eight one eight, but can you tell me what one example of a really hard milestone you guys achieved and how you guys ended up celebrating that? Uh, uh no, next time. It's <laughs> no problem. Well, David, thank you so thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a real pleasure having you here. And if people want to connect with you, what's the best way on LinkedIn or Yeah, LinkedIn. LinkedIn. LinkedIn, perfect. Well, that concludes our conversation with David Tonyan and he and it's been a deep dive into the heart of performance marketing and innovation spirit of dot eight one eight. David shared his background at USC and how it allowed him to think big. He, he shared with us his leadership styles and and his ability to hire well and be able to build a great team that is additive and doesn't take away from the team culture that has led to this amazing success of dot eight one eight. So I, I hope you all enjoyed the conversation here today. Thank you for David for joining us today and sharing your journey with our listeners. And thank you for your audience. Thank you for our audience for tuning into the Growth Ventures podcast. I'm Hamlet Azarian. Until next time, keep pushing the boundaries and exploring the vast horizons of technology and business. Thank you very much.